today on Ag News Daily. Well, there are a couple of steps. You know, now is, is not the time uh, to let off on this issue, uh, even though we have this big win that really helped us. We have to keep on pushing, keep on uh, fighting hard against it. April 19th, 2023, Wednesday, right smack dab in the middle of the week. Happy hump day to our listeners. Tanner and Jennifer here to bring you the latest headlines and a really good conversation today. How you doing? I am doing great. Uh, it's Wednesday. It's been a good start to the week, and I'm excited to have a great rest of the week. Yeah, it's uh, it has, and it's gone by really quickly. Of course, listeners, we appreciate you tuning in to us, but uh, let's jump right into some news. Of course, we'll start off with a little bit of weather. We're seeing uh, mild temperatures in the northern plains, which is causing flood warnings. Uh, there is still more winter weather in the forecast. It looks like the National Weather Service is saying that flooding is expected in North Dakota due to snow melt. Current levels, floodwaters may affect farmland, wooded areas along several of the rivers in the eastern half of the state. The southern plains, however, will stay dry and extremely dry at that. We'll still see gusts of 45 miles per hour with relative humidity under 5%. Red flag warnings are still in effect for Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. Near Amarillo, they could see winds of up to 50 miles per hour. But wanted to also get here a quick update on the Black Sea Grain Initiative. It looks like there are a lot of accusations being thrown back and forth between each side about wrongdoing. The agreement that started in August of last year has been extended twice, but is not looking to have positive sides for the extension. Uh, A couple of intermediaries have been rejected. Russia, meanwhile, says that Ukraine is scuttling the agreement by asking for bribes from vessel operators. And uh, Ukraine is saying that Russia is again and blocking this and causing a spike in food prices for people everywhere. So it doesn't look like there's any great headway made yesterday in discussions. Uh, We're hoping here that the G7 countries can reaffirm their commitment to uh, making sure that this deal gets put through. But as of right now, Jennifer, no new news on the Black Sea grain deal. Yes, and diving into my first article of the morning, I have two actually on avian influenza, but looking at my first one, it's discussing how members of the House want to know what steps USDA is taking to mitigate highly pathogenic avian influenza. During a hearing of the House Ag Subcommittee on Livestock, Dairy, and Poultry, USDA veterinarian Dr. Alicia Nagel said it's a whole-of-industry response and that they do provide cooperative agreement funding directly to states that are impacted by avian influenza to assist with their response as well as education and outreach with those local producers. When asked if there is an end to the current HPAI outbreak, USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Meetings Jenny Lester Moffitt told subcommittee members she cannot predict the end of the current outbreak, but USDA is incorporating lessons learned from the 2015 outbreak. She then carried on to say that looking at and evaluating biosecurity and what more they can do on biosecurity because they know it is important or it is one of the most important and effective things in reducing lateral spread but also they're looking at how and reducing the attractiveness of wild birds because they know the virus load is very strong in the wild bird population. But the subcommittee is evaluating existing animal disease and prevention efforts in preparation for the new farm bill, Tanner. 
Yeah, that uh, I'm glad that they're diving a little bit deeper into that. Also got a couple quick here updates. Uh, Republican-led attempt to overrule President Biden's clean water regulation failed yesterday. The House voted 227 to 196, and that fell well short of the two-thirds majority for passage. As a result, the administration's waters of the United States rule will remain on the books. In addition, the Supreme Court is expected to rule soon on the Idaho case that would reduce wetlands protection territory in their state with direct surface connection to waterways. Uh, and then another Supreme Court uh, ruling that is also being taken a look at is the foreign ownership in the state of Missouri. The Senate there has voted successfully on a bill to prohibit any further ownership of Missouri land, and that was passed on Monday. The Senate amended the bill from the House to add an emergency clause and expand the definition of what a foreign business is. But now this bill requires a 30 day notice to the Department of Ag in the case of transferring land that's already owned by a foreign entity. So, Jennifer, right now, this law limits foreign ownership of Missouri land to only one percent of its total acreage. This was a bipartisan supported bill. Their vote was 31 to three in favor of it stated here that uh, they're not looking to stifle foreign owned businesses, but they're looking to monitor in which industries they participate. So a couple of different uh, political battles as far as that goes, of course, Republicans against Biden for uh, the waters of the U.S. rule, uh, continuing to watch what's going on in Idaho and now some updates from Missouri. So a little around the country there. Absolutely. And kind of sticking on the political but sciencey side of it, more on the vaccine um, recommendations from yesterday as a follow up on the avian influenza. The government will stamp out bird flu through aggressive culling of infected flocks, but is unlikely to turn to vaccines as a tool against the disease, said Agriculture Undersecretary Jenny Moffitt. Moffitt told lawmakers the USDA has devoted $1.3 billion to quell a 14-month-old outbreak of HPAI and to keep the African swine fever out of the country. Both diseases have high mortality rates and pose a threat to food supplies. A record 58.7 million birds, mostly egg-laying hens and turkeys being raised for meat, have died of bird flu since outbreaks began in February of 2020, helping to drive up the egg prices. At this stage of the outbreak, continuing the current strategies of eradication or stamping out HPAI is our best and most effective option, Moffitt said in a testimony at a House Agriculture Subcommittee hearing. USDA's Agriculture Research Service, as we heard yesterday, is developing a vaccine to use on bird flu strains. But it would take approximately 18 to 24 months before a vaccine would be available. And there are many factors to weigh about using it, particularly the impact on international trade as they focused on Tanner. Yeah, you, uh, it's good to have perspective as to how we think we are going to counteract some of these diseases that we have. Today, this morning, 
Firefighters responded to a fire at the Osceola Foods plant in Iowa that is owned by Hormel Foods Corporation. Employees were evacuated, but no injuries were reported. Firefighters from Osceola and nearby towns quickly extinguished the flames and said they contained it to the smokehouse portion of the plant. The cause still remains under investigation there. But now when we travel back over to the Russia and Ukrainian front, uh, both Zelensky and Putin have made uh, altering tours to the front line to rally troops. Russia, however, is being reported having difficulty making new weapons, but still may have enough older supply and repurposed supply to outlast Ukraine, according to some recent production estimates. The report for Center of Strategic and International Studies gives these numbers for the Russian military losses at almost 10,000 units of key equipment, such as tanks, trucks, artillery pieces, drones, and other products. It also said that uh, the Russians can dip into Cold War era older stocks in order to beef up the ammunitions at their front line. But the U.S. is continuing to stay involvement continue to express their involvement uh, in defense of the Ukrainian side and has now issued a public development that states here, the U.S. has sensitive nuclear technology at one of the nuclear power plants inside the Ukrainian territory and has now publicly warned Russia not to touch that plant. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, they sent Russia's state-owned nuclear energy firm a memorandum. In the letter, it was reviewed uh, by the Director of Energy and Non-Proliferation Policies uh, to state here that the U.S. has nuclear technology in there with the origin of the United States. And due to the uh, world laws, states that that technology is to be untouched, which therefore hopefully protects that power plant in Ukraine. So a couple of updates there to wrap up my headlines for today. Absolutely. And I just have one left this morning on demand for conservation programs calling for more funding. A coalition of agriculture and conservation organizations are asking Congress to fund at least $1.2 billion for USDA conservation operations in the fiscal year of 2024. The coalition is also requesting lawmakers support full farm bill funding for conservation programs. The National Association of Conservation Districts President Kim LaFleur tells Brownfield nearly 90% of the funds are used for conservation technical assistance through the Natural Resources Conservation Service. It is a substantial increase, but we feel it is needed to help NRCS address the huge backlog in the demand for NRCS conservation programs, LaFleur says. She says the increase in funding would help address staffing shortages, streamline the application process, and increase payment rates to farmers for some programs like the Conservation Reserve Program. Continuing, continuing on, she says having broad support from conservation and ag groups, including the American Soybean Association, National Association of Wheat Growers, National Corn Growers Association and the National Cotton Council shows the importance of the additional funding, Tanner. Hey, that's good to get that reported on. And I don't have a lot of great news as far as markets go opening up today. Of course, the bulls were trying to use this cold, wet weather in the Corn Belt that continues to stay in the forecast, keep their spirits high. But I think the record-breaking corn and soybean production numbers out of Brazil 
is what is going to kind of weigh things down here. As we sit mid morning, almost everything is in the red on the grain side. Your July 23 contract for corn is down four cents to 640 even December 23 contract down five cents even to 566 soybeans July contract trading down eight cents at 1483 November's contract is at 1309 which is down 10 cents wheat is down even further yet every contract down a little over 12 cents your December 23 contract is sitting at seven dollars and 23 cents even as we switch over to the livestock side of things we're also red but barely on those side of things uh June 23 contract for live cattle trading basically even for the day at 165 and a quarter feeder cattle is down five cents today May's contract trading at 211.45 lean hogs for the June contract down three cents today to 85.42 so a little roundup on our markets there today Jennifer who's our conversation with today yeah Tanner today we are speaking with the attorney general of Iowa Brenna Bird. An exciting conversation opportunity for us. It is our pleasure to introduce to you Brenna Bird, the Attorney General for the state of Iowa. We're going to get some great perspective on ag issues here for our listeners. But how are you doing today, first, Brenna? Oh, doing well. It's a beautiful day. So we always like to give a little bit of a background of who our guests are. So would you mind kind of introducing yourself and uh, giving them our listeners an idea of what your connection to agriculture is? Yeah, you bet. So I was uh, born and raised on our family farm near Dexter, Iowa, which is uh, western Iowa, west central. And uh, our farm there uh, was corn and beans most of the time. Uh, But when I was a kid, my dad used to have a fair to finish operation and also has some cattle. Uh, And today, my brother, Troy, is a seventh generation Iowa farmer. And my husband and I and our son uh, we live on my grandpa's old family farm in the house that my grandpa built. So you can say agriculture is pretty important to me. And I'm a lawyer, attorney general, but most recently I was the Guthrie County attorney. So I'm also a prosecutor and work closely with our law enforcement and helping crime victims. Amazing. And looking forward to discussing more on WOTUS today, actually, because earlier in our news, we discussed it and we think it's a great topic to just definitely jump in on. That's important right now. So what is Iowa doing right now or what is it looking at for the preliminary injunction of stopping the effects of WOTUS? Well, in our office, we are still celebrating the big win last week of stopping WOTUS in its tracks uh, with that preliminary injunction. Uh, Iowa, here in Iowa, we were one of four states leading the fight against the EPA's big overreach in WOTUS. And one of the things we had asked the judge for was to uh, put in place a preliminary injunction. And basically that just means that the EPA could not enforce that overreach while we had a chance to argue the merits in court. So it's a big relief for Iowa farmers and agriculture all across the country that the judge granted our request. So we reported today uh, a headline that uh, the vote failed yesterday in, I believe the house, if I'm remembering correctly, to stop President Biden's uh, ruling at the national level. What effect does that have on the state of Iowa? Well, I was sorry to see that there wasn't uh, the vote there for the veto override, but I think that just illustrates the importance of 
having attorneys general from across the United States banding together and fighting the EPA, because uh, let's say Congress can't uh, do the veto override, which we saw that that they can't, even though it has a majority support. Uh, the next line of attack has to be in the court system because this this WOTUS regulation is a big power grab. It's a big overreach and it violates the law. So that's why uh, we led the lawsuit along with three other states, uh, a total of 24 states involved to put a stop to it. So a federal judge will stop WOTUS. The federal judge has put in place that preliminary injunction. So it stopped for now. But our next move is we go back to court and we fight it on the merits uh, to end the rule for good. Absolutely. And then looking towards the future for us in Iowa and our listeners, what are the next steps that we all can take on this ruling? Yeah, well, there are a couple of steps. You know, now is is not the time uh, to let off on this issue, uh, even though we have this big win that really helps us. We have to keep on pushing, keep on uh, fighting hard against it. Uh, as far as my office, we will be working through the court process, through the trial with the judge to put a stop to it. You can bet uh, that the other side, the EPA, is likely to appeal. So this is something that will go on for a while through the legal system. The good news, though, is that uh, time is on our side on this one, because as this whole legal process is unfolding and going forward, as long as that preliminary injunction stays in place for Iowa, this rule, uh, this new WOTUS rule, won't be affecting Iowa farmers. But our next step is to keep on fighting that in court together with our other states. So for our listeners and for myself that maybe don't fully understand how the attorney general's office works, is it a uh, selected caseload? Do cases get appointed? How how does your office get involved on issues and rulings like this? Yes. Well, I can tell you this. Um, in, the, in the campaign we had last year, this was a question I got a lot. And as somebody who's been born and raised on a farm, I understand just how harmful it is. Uh, this big overreach in WOTUS, where essentially the EPA would be telling farmers how to farm. And here in Iowa, it would apply to about 97% of our farm ground. So uh, it is uh, truly something that's important to agriculture. So I can tell you that I prioritize this issue personally, just because I know of the impact on agriculture. For other issues that we might hear about, uh, that's why I'm working in all 99 counties, hearing from people uh, about what is affecting them. And when there is a federal regulation uh, that is beyond what the law allows, then it's the job of the attorney general to go to court and fight against it. And that's what I do. Absolutely. And kind of staying on that topic of what all you are doing and working on with members around the state, what other things aside from WOTUS are you looking at right now and focusing on in your office? Yeah. Well, you know, one thing uh, that I'm doing is building within our attorney general's office some of those uh, key attorneys that are just great at going to court and understand agri agriculture and ag issues, rural issues. Uh, we need more people like that in the office. We're building that out in our farm and freedom division. I'm always looking for uh, good lawyers in Iowa that want to go um, and work in our office. It helps if they also have that ag background because there's really just something that you learn uh, working on the farm about agriculture that is really helpful to ag lawyers as they're going to bat for farmers. They can see the, the real life impacts that it's gonna have and see what some problems are that we might be facing ahead of time so we can be prepared for it. And you know, and there's, there's other things that we do in this office too for agriculture. We're always uh, looking at different issues and, and how they might impact us. Our office defends 
the ag trespass um, uh, legislation that the legislature has passed to protect producers. Uh, we have been uh, defending those laws in court. Uh, that, that's our role. We have that legal role. Often when something passes the legislature, if uh, those forces that are allied against it, kind of the anti-agriculture forces, uh, if they're not able to stop it in the legislative process, then they take it to court. And that's when our job kicks in uh, to fight to uphold that law. Yeah, I think we had reported on Iowa making a, another win in the favor of agriculture for limiting drone footage or or some type of aerial filming over livestock facilities, uh, which was exciting to see. But as attorney generals from each state, uh, I assume network, is there ever a cross state border effort to team up on issues like this? Yes, there sure is. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because we can't take on the federal government alone. The EPA is huge. And I couldn't even tell you today how many lawyers they would have. It would be mind boggling. I can tell you that. But uh, the way we do that is we work with other states that are, that are like minded, like Iowa, and work together uh, as a group to fight back against that overreach. And I think Iowa uh, should have a big role in that just because it's amazing when we look at what we have here in this state. I mean, we, our farmers, we truly, we feed the world and the amount of food and fuel that is produced in Iowa. It makes sense that we would also uh, focus on defending our agriculture. So we work with states like Missouri and Arkansas and South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, you name it. We're working with a lot of different states around the country that have interests similar to ours. We have discussed so many different topics already in this short little 10 minute time span, touching on all of that and just anything else that we haven't. Is there anything else that you think is important that listeners need to know and be aware of right now? Well, I would say uh, just know that I continue to be committed to defending Iowa agriculture and defending Iowa. So as people have concerns uh, to let our office know and also uh, to work with their associations as as producers, that is so helpful to us. We're working on building that out. And again, that's why I make sure that I'm working in all 99 counties every year. I want to make sure that we are staying on top of the things that might be coming at us and we understand the needs there because agriculture is always changing and we want to be prepared ahead of time when there might be some kind of overreach coming out of Washington, D.C. so that we can stand up against it and fight for farmers. But I have to tell you, it just it was such a good day last week when we found out that that uh, injunction was issued in WOTUS, a big sigh of relief uh, for farmers right now that they don't have to try to live under this oppressive regulation at a time when they're trying to focus on getting the crops in the field and uh, what waits them for the coming year. And it gives us time to really fight it out in court on behalf of Iowa farmers. So that was a good moment. And uh, I'm only uh, four months into the job. I just started in January. So looking forward to what lies ahead for what we can do for Iowa. So as our listeners maybe have issues or other items that they'd like to discuss, what's the best way for them to get in contact with your office or follow along with the progress you've been making? Well, there's a couple of ways. You know, we obviously have social media. So if, if people have social media like Facebook and Twitter, they can follow that. Uh, they'll see me in their county uh, when I'm there visiting. So uh, that's always fun. I love seeing people face to face in person. And if there's something that comes up, a problem, uh, 
whatever it might be, they can also reach out and call or email my office if they have something that they are needing some help on. Or if folks are wanting me to come talk to their group, I'm always glad to do that and to answer those questions. I want to be building that relationship throughout the whole state so that I can do a good job of serving the whole state. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for spending some time with us this morning. Our listeners certainly appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. All right. That was a good conversation. Good for both of us to be on that and get caught up on what is going on here. We will be back again tomorrow, listeners, so don't go too far. Continue to follow us on social media if you would. But Jennifer, for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.